You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. We're in a, uh, a series at the moment, if you're unaware, we're, in a, a sort of a, we're calling it our DNA. Lots of new faces here at the church, um, and also a pretty big couple of years. Um, if you don't know, I, I say, I, this kind of, I think, sums up so much. We went from a, a 71-year-old minister who was retiring, who was adored here, to a 33-year-old. Um, and so that sums up the amount of change in the last two years. And, uh, and so that's, if you're new, that's what we've been through. So we thought, what a great season with some new faces, with everything that's been going on. Let's go through, open up the word, and actually talk about what this is. What's the purpose of this? Um, not what has always happened, or not what we like, or not, not what we think should happen, but what does the Bible say that this thing that we're doing, <laughs> what is it? And so we, uh, we started with the presence of God. We started with two weeks on the presence of God because there is no church without the Holy Spirit. It's Christ who says he'll build his church, not us. And so we started there. And then last week we talked about these postures that we've come up with that the church do. And we started with we gather. If you weren't here and you are looking or exploring or part of this church community, please go back and podcast or ask me for a CD. I'm not normally that pushy on listening to our sermons, but it's really important that for the future, for understanding everything down to our budget of what we're about and where we're going. And so we gather, we started last week. I'll give you a summary, but I was 35 minutes last week, so my summary won't do it justice. (laughs) And so let me, um, we, we talked about we gather last week. That's what we do as a church. That's what we see in the word of God. We have this vision statement here to be an inviting, ever-growing, unifying family table that brings glory to God. We gather around this table. We talked about at the centre of the table is Christ. That's what we gather around. Nothing else. Nothing else gathers us together. We can like each other. That's a bonus. We can enjoy morning tea. That's a bonus. We can enjoy Sunday morning. That's a bonus. But the one thing we gather around, the actual one, I guess, tradition, or one thing that is (laughs) you can't take away or we're not the church, is Christ. And that's what we explored last week. He's at the centre of our table, centre of our lives. That's why we can have multiple ages, multiple stages, multiple incomes, multiple things that have happened to all of us over our life, but we can gather together under Christ, his unity. And we talked about how it's not uniformity. We don't have to look the same. We just gather around the same thing, the same power in the same presence as Jesus Christ. Again, go back and have a listen. This is just the summary. And we talked about there's two ways, or at least two ways you want to give language to the gatherings here at the church. And uh, we looked, uh, Jesus does this. We see these large groups and small groups or large tables and small tables. And we spent some time last week talking about what a large table is. A large table, we we come up with that there's probably three main large tables at this church we're currently running or going to run. There's a Sunday morning weekly. It's a large group. It's a large table. We get together. We have a Sunday afternoon monthly. We get together and we're exploring this hymn and celebration Sunday that's coming up on the first Sunday of July. I think that's a key large table that we're operating here. That's what we're looking. We're not looking at this stage to add a million more because we'll never be in the world. We'll never be able to take Jesus out if we're stuck in here all the time. 
but there's three main gatherings that I want to do well here at the church. And what does the Bible say that we do at these gatherings? Well, we also came up with a list of that. So we, we gather together and celebrate God's presence in our lives. We remember and centre ourselves through communion and prayer. We gather and worship with a heart of gratitude. We celebrate and encourage each other in our walk. And we inspire and anchor ourselves in God's truth, word and testimony. If we, when we, we spoke about this last week, if we add more than that to the Sunday, we'll crush it. If we try to put our entire Christian walk in between 9 to 11 on Sunday morning, <laughs> we'll crush the thing. It can't handle that weight. It's a time to get together and celebrate what God's doing. And again, covered 35 minutes of passages around what the large gathering should look like. It should be fun. It should be full of joy. Celebrate and encourage each other through the hard stuff, which we spoke about this morning, and through baptism and the good stuff, sending people to the ends of the earth. So exciting. But this statement, nobody attends church. We are the church. We are the body of Christ. Your body that you're an extension of is seeing baptisms, is seeing people restored, is seeing people come and know Jesus. And when we get together in a large setting, we celebrate. And then we ask these questions, which I have on your way out. I've printed them um, because I didn't have them printed last week, but we have these questions. How are you preparing yourself to gather in God's presence on Sunday? The Bible speaks very clearly about before we gather, preparing yourself, being ready to celebrate, being in the mindset, ready to worship. Who and how can you encourage others on Sunday? If you're not coming here to encourage, that's, that's okay. You're allowed to come here however you want. But the Bible says that when we come together, it's for encouragement, spurring each other on, lifting each other up. What expectation do you place on Sunday that is possibly not biblical? We talk, you know, a tradition, we talk about tradition. A tradition is only good if it's going to help us gather around Jesus. Other than that, it's religious. It's pharisaical. If we're just doing something and it has no benefit to bringing us or others before Jesus, then yeah, we might as well be a surf club, do good things, but there's no Jesus at the centre. We are the body. And how can you be part of the church body? Again, I just summarised 35 minutes, so heat's missed. Go ahead back and have a listen. Here's something for you. Anyone know what these three random circles placed like this looks like or represents? Mickey Mouse. It's one of the most recognisable symbols on the planet. You just put three circles in that order and listen to you all in unity, Mickey Mouse. Mickey Mouse is, um, let me tell you a little bit about Mickey Mouse first. We'll come back to the passage. This is Oswald, the rabbit. 1928, there's some lawsuits around this rabbit. I'm guessing Warner Brothers kind of came up with Bugs Bunny. Disney needed another character. And so they produced this film in 1928 called Steamboat Willie. And in it was a secondary character called Mickey Mouse. This guy. It is your daddy, that's right. Um, over the next... Up until present, they have developed this character. 
Sometimes a racing thing, sometimes a racing features. Mickey Mouse, they're not sure who, but it was either Oswald or Mickey Mouse invented the four finger cartoon character. So every cartoon character now has four fingers, never five, because it just looks weird for some reason. So Mickey Mouse had these gloves with four fingers. And uh, so they erase parts of him, they redraw parts of him, they coloured it in, coloured him in, and developed this character you can see throughout the years until we have our current 2006 Mickey Mouse, where I can just show three circles this morning and you all know exactly who it is. One of the most recognisable characters in the world. The reason I bring this up is character development of an artist, erasing, redrawing, colouring in, reworking over time, is very similar language to what Janine just wrote out about a vine, a vine growing that's been shaped. Very similar languages. There's bits being cut off. There's bits being burnt. There's bits being grown, it's shaped. The vine's already growing, notice that. But someone is, or if we allow someone, well, God, the Spirit can prune and develop that character. The pruning of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes God builds us up. Sometimes he has to remove things. And our base scripture out of Ephesians for this whole series talks about this. Let me read two passages from the book that we're reading or the main book that we're going through. Ephesians 4 says this. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. There's this growth that happens. There's this pruning that happens. There's this character development that happens. Then we'll no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every aspect the mature body of him who is at the head. That is Christ. That is Christ at the centre. From him, the whole body joined and held together, but every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Our next posture we're talking about this morning, it's actually two parts, part one this morning, part two next week, because there's so much in this. At Burley Heads Church of Christ, one of our postures is we seek to grow. We grow. We gather, encourage, celebrate, and we look to grow. But how? (laughs) That might be your next question. How do we grow, Steve? How do we grow as a church? How do we grow as an individual? How do we grow deeper and wider in our spiritual life? How do we let the Holy Spirit prune us? Well, here's a statement that I'm going to spend the rest of the sermon pretty much trying to explain. You're already growing. You don't have to do the grow part. You're already growing. In the passage just read, the vine has already started growing. That's actually not the part that we have to do. We will grow no matter what. Notice the Holy Spirit's job is to shape us, to prune us to what we're growing into. There's a church that I listen to uh, quite frequently, Bridgetown in Portland, and they've come up with this image. Let me show you. If you don't explain it, we're going to keep going on this. I'm going to spend a fair bit of time on this. But 
they say there's three things. We're just looking at this triangle up here. They're saying over your life, people in this room, people in Stocklands, people that you live near, everyone on the whole planet is growing. And how they grow is they, they have the stories they believe, they have relationships, and they have habits. And that creates an environment. And no matter if they want to, want to or do not want to, they will grow. The question is, into whom? So let me give you some scenarios to better shape this out. Imagine you're a per, you're, well, you are a person, you don't have to imagine, but imagine you're this person. Your current cultural narrative, the world is telling you that you will get your five minutes of fame. For a young person today, that's what the world's sort of telling them, that they could be famous, they could be successful, they could be rich, they would get their five minutes of fame. Imagine that's the story you believe. Imagine your close community, the ones that you look to, that you trust, is your Instagram pictures, or for those that are online, where people share the highlights of their life. So everyone looks perfect, has the perfect families, has the, projects the perfect image. Imagine that's who you surround yourself with and inspire to be. And then imagine your habits are about making your life more comfortable more secure, looking better. Now that's evil, but imagine 40 years of accidentally listening, practicing and living in that. What do you become? Just think about that. If that's the story you know, that's what you hear and that's what you do, you are growing. 40 years of that, you could be really difficult to be around. 40 years of thinking you're the centre of the universe You'll grow into something that's not that nice to be around, maybe. We're all growing. Let me give you another scenario. Imagine your heroes are the CEOs of the world. You actually, in your closet, you only own one type of T-shirt, just 10, 10 of those T-shirts, like Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs, well, when he was alive, only had the one type of uh, turtleneck. So he just didn't have to make a decision in the morning because he had much more important decisions to make as the CEO. So imagine that's you. That's how you live. You, you look, you read all their biographies. You listen to making it big business podcasts. And you focus on money and success. 60 years of that. Do you start to grow into something? Are you with me? Do you start to be shaped by that? That's okay. That's not, I'm not saying all those things are evil. You might be quite successful. You might be super greedy as well <laughs> and super self-involved. I don't know, but 60 years of hearing those stories, you're going to grow into something. How about this one? Life hasn't been fair to you. And that's your story. Every day when you wake up, it's almost a sigh of life's not fair. And it, it, it's very broken, our world, so it could actually be true. It's not fair. It's not great some days. Imagine your close community, your peer group is super negative and everything they say has a, a sharpness of critique. Everything's critical in your friendship group. It's always negative, always scary. In fact, you find yourself, your habits are attracted to these conversations. If there's gossip to go near, if there's, if there's critique to go near, you're like, oh, what's going on? I wonder what's going on. When you read the newspaper or you watch the news, and it's not hard to find these things, but you're looking 
for the negative. You're looking for the scary. Because that's who you are. That's what you're shaping to be. 46 or 40 to 60 years of that, what do you look like? I'm guessing you're riddled with anxiety. You're terrified of everything and you're always suspicious and negative and critical. You didn't want to be that, but 40 to 60 years of being shaped by this is who you become. So question, who are you becoming? If you think about your relationships, your close community, your stories you believe, your environment and your habits, who are you becoming? Chances are your friendship group is critical, negative, talk about, about money or talk about the way you look, then chances are it's not just your friendship group, it's probably you too because it shapes you. I love the saying, you become what you worship. What you worship, what you hold up, you will start to become. Here's the last one in, in, in terms of a, a negative picture. And it ties into last week. Imagine you just, your story you know is that church runs 9 to 11 and your whole Christian walk is set between those two hours. Your habit is that on Sunday, that's when I need to fill my Christian box. And so that's, that's all of it. And when you come to church, all you talk about is how the Sunday was, what you liked, what you didn't like. It's not about the body seeing God's kingdom break through out there. It's just about this box here. 40 to 60 years of that, church becomes not unlike going to the movies. You buy your ticket, you critique the movie, it was either good or bad, and you go home. That's who you become. That's what many churches in Australia, not judging them, have become. A movie theatre. And here's the scary thing about the movie theatre or, or observing the church is it actually is enticing for the pastor. Because if you're coming to be entertained or you're coming for 9 to 11, and as long as I entertain you, you make me the rock star. You make me the answer to everything. Not this church, but this is what it does. And we see this in our world. We have pastors who are rock stars and we have churches who are entertainment venues. Now, it's okay to be entertained, but don't let that be the whole picture of church. It's okay to enjoy church. Don't let that be the whole picture of the gathering. If you're still not with me, here, Romans 12, 2, a scripture that we're basing this on. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. The pattern. There is a pattern in this world that we can conform to, that can transform you. There are habits, there are relationships, there are stories you can tell yourself that you can conform to and become. Instead, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. Amen? Amen. We grow. Do not conform to the things, the patterns, the things everyone else says and does, even church people sometimes. Don't conform to that. There's only one that you're seeking to be transformed by. It's Christ. And so let's look at a positive version of this. What if, though, the stories you tell yourself were your teaching? What if your community was your church-trusted community? And what if you practised that? 
What if the, the story you told yourself when you woke up, what if every morning the story that you told yourself was that you are redeemed, that you are loved, that Jesus died for you, that he created this universe for you, that you're not perfect, but he's bridged the gap, that he wants to spend the morning with you, that he wants to spend the day with you, he wants to create with you, he wants to see the kingdom built with you, that you're not nothing, you're not defined by the internet or what people say, but there is an inner joy that comes from Christ, even in the hard bits. What if that's how you woke up every morning? What if that's the story you knew? That you knew you weren't perfect, but Christ is. And what if you did what Jesus did? Your habits were about blessing people, eating with others, generous with your time and resource, living life with a sense of gratitude. And what if your community, I'm not saying you're you're meant to be in the world, just not of it. I'm saying, what about your trusted community that you let speak into your life? When you met with them, they were just encouraging the smaller ones maybe sometimes critiqued like healthily and kept you accountable. But for the most part, it was about spurring each other on. So when you're Sunday, you fill yourself up and you're ready for another week of that. Who would you look like <laughs> after 40 to 60 years of that? What would you look like if you lived with the Holy Spirit, remained in him? What if you did the type of things Jesus did and you met with others who followed Jesus? You died to the teaching, philosophy and crowds of this world. What would you look like, church? Who would you look like? Non-rhetorical, who would you look like? You would look like Jesus. You would look like Jesus. Remain in me as I also remain in you, Christ says, or the Spirit does. No branch can bear fruit by itself. Notice the vine's already growing. But it's only in Christ that we will produce genuine fruit. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. This is why, and you may have heard this before, and this might be a great time for the first time ever for you to be explained this, because I know that some of you haven't got a chance to explain it. In our teaching, we kind of do two things on a Sunday. We either go through the book of the Bible and explain the context, like we did with Exodus, like we did with Matthew, and we'll continue to do that. And in between those, we do a thing called practices. We want to teach, is that exegesis, I won't say that word, expository from the word. And then we also want to teach about what Jesus did. So over the last two years, here's some of the things we've taught on. Hospitality, fasting, prayer, pursuing his presence, Sabbath, Silence and solitude. And we want to encourage the church to consider these things, these rhythms of Jesus. They'll allow us to go deeper and wider in him. Now, it's actually not about the habits. We're not trying to create law. You do those things, God won't love you more. God loves you anyway. God God loves you because he sees his son who died for you. What it's about He's doing these things and letting them shape you. Actually helping you to remain in him so you can continue to bear fruit and look like Jesus. We're not trying to create more law. We're just trying to encourage each other to do the things Jesus did because chances are if God in human form here on the planet did something, it's probably important. That's why we do communion every week because he says do this every time you gather. Remember me. 
We've got these graphics up here that keep along this line. This picture of a tree that I've shown on other weeks. And we've got the living water there and the roots growing deep. And we've got some things that we've taught on over the last couple of years and we'll continue to teach on. Silence and solitude. Stepping back and listening to God. Resting in God. Fasting. Prayer. Knowing your identity in Christ. Bible reading and understanding. Not just reading words, but understanding the context and who the Bible is written to and what it's written about. Digging our roots deep. Because what happens if you plant yourself in these things? What happens if you seek to remain in Christ? Well, you start to produce the fruit. The other half of the tree. Peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness. That's what you start to look like. You don't have to sticky tape fruit to your tree. (laughs) You have to paint the roses red. As I showed a couple of weeks ago in Alice in Wonderland. You have to pretend if your roots are deep, you'll start to produce these things. It'll flow out of you. Because if you rest in God's control, you'll start to look more peaceful. If you understand that God has given everything, like Jules said, you start to be thankful. It's the fruit. Because you know God gave his life, it's suddenly easy to give up your life for his mission. If you know that God holds all the power and the keys to the universe, suddenly you know he can assist with your self-control, with anger, with lust and greed. You know that he has the power to help you with that. It's the very reason Jesus said at the end of his ministry, in the peak time that would have been perfect for Jesus to start a megachurch after he's resurrected. He goes, I'm off, boys. (laughs) But I'll leave you with the Spirit because watch what happens when the Spirit of God starts pruning Watch what happens when the Spirit of God starts working in my body. What happens is, there's around 160 people at this church, roughly, on our attendance list. A little bit more, but that's just about 160. What happens, do you think, to the community if 160 people start looking more like Jesus? What happens if, and we're not perfect. That's why it's a process. It's over time. But what happens if there's 160 people in Burley, Varsity, Madrabah, Burley Waters, Miami, wherever else I'm not mentioning. What happens if there's 160 Jesuses or people trying to look like Jesus? What happens if people are being generous in their community, joyful, at peace, restful? This place explodes. You might have thought when you heard we grow, you thought I was going to talk about how we grow the church. And there is strategic mission that we want to do. But the number one way shown in the Bible if we want to grow the church is show them Jesus. The church would explode. People, why are you so at peace? Why are you not defined by the people on your Instagram or Facebook? Why are you defined by something else that is holy? It says in John 13, 35, by all this, they'll know you're my disciples if you love one another. 2 Corinthians 5, 20, 25, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As through God, we're making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Out there we look like the righteousness of God even when we're not perfect. 
1 Peter 3.15 says, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. That's so important. Listen to those words. Give a reason for the hope you have. Do you know what that means? That means if all you do, and I'm not, if this is your ministry, that's okay, but if all you do is go out there and go, excuse me, random stranger, you're going to hell, how is that giving a reason to the hope you have? Which is better? You live like Christ in your work environment, in your place. You speak about Christ. You're proud of Christ. He's transforming you. And someone says, why on earth are you so peaceful? Give me a reason why you're so hopeful. Gladly. (laughs) Hopefully, gladly. It's not give me a reason for the way you scare me. Give me a reason for the way you condemn or judge or critique me. It's give me a reason for this hope that is just leaking out of you. The, the, the living water is flowing out of you. Give me a reason why there's 160 people that seem to gather on Sunday. And after the Sunday, they seem to go and grow into the world. And my goodness, there's something strange, but something right about them. <laughs> give me a reason for the hope you have. And do this with gentleness and respect. 1 Peter 3.15. Burley Heads Church of Christ wants to see you grow. We want to see you grow. Not into Mickey Mouse. That's not the purpose. We're not developing you into Mickey Mouse. But we want to see you sometimes chipped, sometimes pruned, sometimes bits will be burnt off by the Spirit and other bits will flourish and you'll be grown into Christ. How do we equip and invest into this as a church, though? What does it look practically? That's part two. That's next week. Let me me ask some questions and then we're going to pray and have one more song. So questions to consider. I'm going to hand out these today. How are you? Oh, that's the one I asked last week. Sorry. Questions for we grow as you consider. Church, who are you listening to? Who's your close group of friends? Are they... Are they uplifting? Are they encouraging? Are they encouraging you to look more like Jesus? What are the habits you are committing to? What are the stories you tell yourself every day? And what are you giving yourself to? What are you generous towards? Those things, upon reflection, will give you a really clear idea of who you're becoming. Who is shaping you? Let, let me pray. And I've got a real sense this morning that there are people that There's some things they've been growing into that they're not stoked with. And if that's you, in in the last song, I'll be down here. The elders will be down here. We'd love to pray for you during that last song. If there's things you're like, oh, that vine got away from me, that branch. That's okay. That's why we come, we gather. The Holy Spirit can do something. Come and have a chat and we'll pray about that. Let's pray and I'm going to ask the band to come up.